You know, something struck me. We, we've, we spent the last few weeks uh, in the series called Money Matters, and, uh, and we, we went through that together. And one thing that, um, that really shocks me every week is, is why we're here. Like, why you're here. Why I'm here. Week after week, we show up. And I mentioned last week when we were talking uh, together, I mentioned that... Um, the, uh, I have a friend in Costa Rica, Ricardo. I'm going to teach you a little Espanol today. You want to learn some Espanol today? Si. si. Bien. Uh, I know a very little Espanol. I went to Costa Rica. And, but Ricardo, I told you, had a gorgeous house. And he realized that, that God uh, gifted him with that house, gave him that house so that he might share it with others. He, he, God revealed it to him. And what God revealed to me through Ricardo is this man would wake up every morning. First of all, if you've never been to Costa Rica, it's amazing. And uh, you can't help, you know, the, we sang that song, you know, this, every morning let us songs come, rise to you. Every morning, every morning. Well, Ricardo would come in every morning, uh, and our, we were in his, his kid's bed, sleeping in his uh, eight-year-old's bed, which is a lot of fun. And um, he, he, he would wake us up, and he would say, uh, he would say good morning, which I can't remember how to say in Spanish. But then he would say, Dios es fiel, todos días. Dios es fiel, todos días, Bill. That's where he spoke, right? Bill, Dios es fiel, todos días. And I, I said, Ricardo, what, is, what are you talking about? Come, 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 come. I was like, go out in this veranda. Gorgeous veranda overlooking San Jose. And we look out over the veranda, and he's put his hands up. He say, Dios es fiel. You know what that means? Dios is God, is faithful. Todos días. Every day. Every day. And he said, Bill, every morning I get up and I come out and I say, Dios es fiel, todos días. And that's my secret. That's what he told me. That's his secret. That's pretty cool. Well, it's kind of a funny thing, but I think about why we show up here every day. We show up here every Sunday for worship. We show up out in the community. Did you watch that video, the community love video? It was beautiful. Pictures don't do it justice. Have you been on vacation and you shoot pictures and you show the people and you're like, it was better when you were there. That was great, but it was better when we were there. It was beautiful, beautiful. And I think, why do we do those things? But I hope that we're doing them because God is faithful every day. I hope the reason that you are drawn here with us each Sunday to worship the living God, the God who speaks, is because he is so faithful to us. He is so faithful to us. And I'm just, that's why I'm here. Like, that's my story, right? Is that your story? Do you see it? See, we're all different places, and maybe some of us don't see it yet. Maybe some of us have seen it for a long time. But the point is that we are, we are caught up in this great story of God's love, and that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's so beautiful that I have to leave things behind and follow it. You understand? The story of Jesus. I want to go back to where we, we started last week. Because... Or I shouldn't say where we started. We're going to go to uh, Deuteronomy 26. But I just want to read from verse 5 uh, just this quote. And she will turn to you, Ken. We don't have the page numbers today for you. I apologize for that. But the, it was about this idea of bringing our offerings to the house of the Lord. And this is what I think is amazing about what we do. And maybe some of the ways that we fall short today. You see, we might do all these things that we're told to do, maybe, right? But listen to the story that's told. It says, The priest will take this basket, the basket from your hands, the offering, and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Right? This is the command. 
And you will declare before the Lord, Yahweh, your God, you will declare before him, my father was a wandering Aramean. Now, I, you know, I talked about that last week, and you guys might have thought, what a, my father wasn't a wandering Aramean. You know? uh, my story would be, my father is a crazy biker. I don't know. But, but our story goes back, and our story goes back, and our story goes back, until we can say with Israel, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down to Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and, and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, you see, and putting us on hard-to-hard hard labor. And we cried out, and, you know, I hope that when we talk about these things, pray that we would have eyes to see the message because when we cried out to the Lord, Yahweh, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice, saw our misery, toil, and oppression, so the Lord brought us out of Egypt. That's our testimony. The Lord brought us out of slavery. For those of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what his work, this is what he does. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever, right? With great terror and with miraculous signs and wonders, the Lord moves in our lives. He brought us to this place, gave us this land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And now today we bring the first fruits of the soil to you, O Lord, that you have given us. This is a story. It's a story that's our story. And we are people of stories. Do you believe that? One of the things that's been amazing to me since I've come to Family Bible Church is all the amazing stories I've heard here. Unbelievable stories. And it got me thinking about this idea when we talk about money matters and faith actually and these things, what they, what they really, really mean, what they mean to our lives, why we waste our time on a Sunday morning when we could be sleeping in or doing something else. Why we waste our energy on a Sunday afternoon washing windows when we could be doing something else. Because it's part of this great, great story. And I think in some ways we forget to tell it. Turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. You're going to want to keep your Bibles open today. If you turn to the book of Hebrews, um, we're going to go to chapter 10 to start. Just keep your finger there because we're going to have some interruptions today. But keep your finger there because we're going to keep going back and going back to those spots. Hebrews chapter 10. It's kind of toward the back. If you got a, a, it's about that, right? Toward the back of the Bible. <clears throat> By the way, <laughs> do you know how you know how you know that God likes coffee? <laughs> I shouldn't do that. All right, here we go. He- Hebrews. 10, 19 through 25, we're going to read today. Um, listen to this word. See, Hebrews is this storytelling book. Hebrews is amazing. And if you want to spend a few hours just being blessed, read the whole book of Hebrews. It's ridiculous. The book of Hebrews is ridiculous to read. But I would encourage you to do that. But we're going to start in chapter 10 today, verse 19. And this is what it says. It says, therefore, brothers, that, that the brothers there is Christians, therefore, Christians, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we went, see, from the First Testament where you had these sacrifices and these offerings, and, and, and we come into this New Testament, and Hebrews is explaining that, that Jesus is a sacrifice. And he says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, 
opened for us through the curtain that is his body. You see, we're coming to the holy temple. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that great priest, Jesus, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up on meeting together, but as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see, Hebrews has this idea that there's this day coming, this day of judgment, and he calls the day today. It's a day of reckoning with the Almighty God. And he says, actually, it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And I want to tell you, the first thing is, when we talk about being a Christian, a Christ follower, you have to know Jesus to understand what we're talking about. There is no way around it. And Hebrews is such a beautiful job because if you go back and look, it says, by a new and living way opened through Jesus, his body that was the curtain, that opens the temple, Jesus' body, his sacrifice. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let's draw near with a sincere heart, having our hearts sprinkled with his blood to cleanse us from our guilty conscience. You see, Hebrews talks about the hopelessness found in the law. You can't earn your way into heaven. And we have this priest who goes before us, who has opened the temple to us, but we must pass through him like the priest passed through the curtain. You understand? And we have to have our hearts sprinkled with his blood that we might be changed, we might be redeemed, we might know truth, know light, be in the sanctuary with the living God. We might be cleansed with pure water. And I want to start there today because, you know, a lot of times you go to worship service, right? And everything builds to the end. Everything builds up. Oh, go, you know, follow Jesus. Let me tell you, you need to follow Jesus right now. Right now. We're not going to build some emotional climax today because you need to be following the living God right now. You will not understand what we're talking about as a church. You will not understand the weird things we do as a church if you're not following the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And this is what it says here. So I want to stop right here and I want to pray with you. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we are humbled to be in your presence again. We say, sing songs sometimes, and we might get boisterous, and we might jump around. And, and, uh, but your word tells us that this, it's, it's terrifying to be in your presence, Lord. Uh, pray that today as we come, we would come humbly to you. Pray today, Lord, that the whole text, the whole Bible, the living word Jesus came just to say we can know you through him. And let us never forget that. Let us never put your son and our savior in our back pocket and just go on with life like he's no big deal. Today, Lord, I pray if there are hearts here who are not yet sprinkled with the blood of Christ, if there are those here who have not yet been made clean by his water, if there are those here who not, do not yet know truth but a discernment of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray today is the day. I pray today, Lord, by your power and not by our power, by your mercy and not by our authority. I pray, Lord, today that we would know you. We would know this great sacrifice once for all. That we could live in this place of freedom, basking in your glory. The work is yours, and we trust you with it. We love you and thank you. We thank you that we even know enough to know Jesus. 
May you always be praised. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. This is what the text says. It says, so once you've known this high priest, once you've gone in, in verse 23, let us then, brothers and sisters, hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess with our lips, you see, because he who promised is faithful. Do you see how Ricardo says that? Dios es fiel, todos días, every day, God is faithful in your life. The one who makes the promise to us is faithful to fulfill it. Jesus was the fulfillment of promises. And let us consider this is what we're going to talk about today. Let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and toward good deeds. And if you are in the church of Jesus Christ by his blood, you know, you know Jesus. This is your work laid ahead of you. Spurring each other along and, and spur one another toward love and good deeds. And not give up meeting together, you see. Someone said to me, well, you know, you know my, John, actually, I'll I tell you, said this, my son, John. He said, he says, I'm not going to church. And I, and I said, um, I don't know how they came up last night. And he goes, well, you have to go to church. And I said, I don't have to go to church, John. Well, yeah, you do. You're the preacher. You're the pastor. And I said, but it's still a choice. Do you understand, John? If I wasn't a pastor of a church, I'd be right where you are. I'd be looking for the living God. I'd be listening for the living word. I was the guy who scribbled these things full, full, because God is speaking I don't want my son to be confused. I don't go to church because I'm the pastor. I go to church because I know Jesus. I worship with fellow believers. I look to be edified and blessed. And all the more as the day is approaching. We're going to jump ahead to verse 35. This is what he says about, he says, he says, so don't throw away your confidence, the author of Hebrews. Don't throw away your hope you find in Jesus. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, wait a minute, look at that, in verse 36, when you've done the will of God, it's not an option, you're going to do it. When you do the will of God, if you're a follower of Jesus, you will receive all that has been promised. For, just, for in just a very little while, you see, he who is coming w- will come and will not delay. But the righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, he will not be ple- I will not be pleased with them. But we are not, brothers and sisters, hear the word today, we are not those who are shrinking back and being destroyed, but we are of those who are believing and being saved. That's who we are. We're the ones who are believing and being saved. And then you go, what do you mean believing? By faith. Look at chapter 11. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's just a beautiful thing. If you ever, there's a clear definition in the Bible for you. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for, okay? This is what the book of Hebrews, this is the author of Hebrews is going to tell us, that this is what it's for. But he says, faith is actually, faith actually is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see, and we're commended for pressing on. We have full confidence that Jesus Christ is our Savior. One of the things we really struggle with is, 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 is am I saved? Will I, will I be saved? This is a walk, you see. We're going to help on the destination. This is a journey. That's why you don't want a deathbed confessional. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are missing the blessing. You understand? Because you're not on the journey with him, walking daily, waking up, saying Dios es fiel. This is the hope. 
So Hebrews starts to tell us some stories. And I want us to hear these stories a little bit. Listen to these stories. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, you see. And so that what is, what, what is seen was not made out of what was visible. That's a fancy way of saying what was seen was made from invisible. You read it like six times, make sense of it. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did, the Hebrews author says. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, he still speaks. That would be Abel, even though he is dead. He's still speaking. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleases God. Listen to how Enoch pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because, don't you love when the Bible's like straight up honest with us? Because anyone who comes to him, God, must believe that he exists. You think? You see, why, do, why, why does what we do matter? Because if you actually believe that the living God exists, you're going to be before him, coming to him. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Man, I take that right there. That's my verse. Those who seek him. Praise God that he is faithful to those who seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Holy fear, I bet. Especially with the wife, right? By his faith, he condemned the world and became the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. That's what he did. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who, by the way, Jacob is the wandering Arab man, right? Who, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking toward forward to the city with foundations. The architect and builder is God. You see, he was living in tents, but he was longing for the city being built by God. And by faith, Abraham, even though he was and Sarah, Sarah herself was barren, wasn't able to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he is good as dead, <laughs> came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. Abraham was good as dead when he had kids. Isn't that awesome? All these people were living by faith when they died. Now see, that kind of bothers me a little bit. Why is that the case, though? That these are the stories that we forget. Why do we wait till people die to hear their faith stories? They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them welcomed from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own, you see, not comfortable here in this place. If they had been thinking of the country they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return there. Instead, they were longing for a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God because he has prepared a city for them. If you don't think that we uh, always look to the dead for a living witness. I ran across this article this week on, uh, I don't know, it was like CNN or something like that. And I'm going to ch- check this out. Listen to this. It says, here's the quote, Italy's St. Pio goes on display. Have you heard this at all? Have you heard about this at all? 
St. Pio goes on display. Thursday's news is when it came out. The body of the popular Italian saint, Padre Pio, is going on display in a glass coffin in southern Italy. He was said to have stigmata, the marks of Christ, on his hands. And people want to see him. So they dug him up out of the ground. That's crazy to me. That they, to have faith, they wanted this guy exhumed, and they exhumed him. And so you think, well, who's going to go check that out, right? They have 700,000 people pre-registered to go see Padre Pio. And I just wonder, what are we looking for? Digging up the dead for a witness to the living. What do we expect to find? And it got me thinking, do we see, do we hear, do we tell stories around us? We're going to do that today. But before we, I want to ask a question. On the back of your contact card, I hope you have that right there. There's a spot there that says, tell someone your story this week. Do you see that? It's the fourth spot. Do you have a story? Do you tell your story? I have a lot of people tell me, I don't have a story. And I say, really? And then they tell me their story for like 20, 35 minutes. Wow, that's a great story. Do you have a story? Do you listen for stories? If you have a story to tell, I want you to check that box that says, Tell someone your story this week. Check that box. I want you to commit to doing that. Tell someone your story. Today we're going to have some stories. I'm going to ask Brenda Corey to come up first. She's agreed to share a bit of her story. This is definitely a God thing because I'm totally out of my comfort zone. And he said I could cry because he does every week. Um, I recently felt God calling me to speak at a dear friend's funeral, and although it was horribly uncomfortable, I knew I had to do it. I had to do it so her parents could get just a glimpse of how wonderful and dear their daughter was, and that was an inspira- and what an inspiration she was to me. So I guess although I'm out of my comfort zone, when Pastor Bill asked me to talk, I thought it would be a way for me to show you just a glimpse of how God's been faithful in my life, and I feel that, and what I feel about this church family. So here are a few examples. It's sometimes hard to see when you're in the middle of it, at least not until a few years have passed and you're able to look back and see what God's plan was. I remember working at a not-so-good place, and I was very unhappy and came home crying most nights. Then a friend of mine said she had a dream that she saw me at my desk at work, and there was a bright light around me, but everything else was dark, I guess a sign from God. I had asked God to be my Lord and Savior just prior to this, and I knew in my heart that he didn't want me to work there. So with a leap of faith, I quit. I think it was the first time I felt the Holy Spirit leading me, and looking back, I think it may have been the first time I was obedient. That was the year Steve and I started K5 Contracting Company, our construction business. God is faithful. How did God prepare me to help my husband run a business? Steve already had the skills, and he could build anything, but had God prepared me? It looks as if he had, because prior to this, I worked at a construction company and did payroll, and I worked at a concrete company and did payables and receivables, and I even worked on a job site trailer on the job with my husband in Florida. God had a plan for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope in a future, Jeremiah 29:11. With God's help, K5 is in its eighth year. God is faithful. Steve and I have been married for 23 years next Saturday, and I look forward to the future and what it holds. We continue to grow together in our faith and love. I feel that when, God put our, when we put God first in our lives a few years back, 
and our marriage, our marriage grew stronger and our love grew deeper. I also think God changed me as a wife, mother, daughter, and a friend. He helped me see what was important in my life and made and make what a, that a priority. Although I'm still a work in progress, God is faithful. A couple years ago, I had to ask God to help me let Heather, our oldest, um, and let her spread her wings and as she went off to college. It was difficult and still is, but God is faithful. I have to let go and let God every time our 16-year-old Haley gets into her car and drives away. I pray for her protection and then I give it to God. It's difficult, but God is faithful. I have to hold my breath and say many prayers of protection as our 12-year-old son, Tyler, flies by on his dirt bike. But God, again, God is faithful. I also see it in our church family as we help one another with a servant's heart as well as helping people in the community. I've seen God's faithfulness in this body of believers as we've overcome several obstacles, but we keep getting stronger. I can see God working just by looking at who he's brought to us as a leadership team and a pastor and his family. And I know I've been blessed with another wonderful friend in Chris. God is faithful. I think one of the biggest areas I've seen God's faithfulness has been in the people he brought into my life. I have so many friends that I adore and care about and think of as family. I love the ladies in my Bible study and the couples in the small group and many friends I have in this church. I've seen God's faithfulness in so many of their lives. And if you need a prayer, a hug, or just someone to talk to, just turn around and someone will be there. Over the years, God has put friends in my life for a season, and I've learned so much from them, and one friend even led me to the Lord. Others will be there for a lifetime, and I know I can count on them no matter what. Some friends have gone home to be with the Lord and Savior, and I miss them dearly. But I will be with them again someday, along with Steve, Heather, Haley, and Tyler, and all my Christian friends and family. As always, God is faithful. Thank you. God is faithful. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac, his only son, as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God would raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when, he, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus to the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction about his bones. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. See, they aren't dead stories. They're living stories. Trusting God with everything you have. Trusting God each day. We have someone else that's going to share with us this morning. I'm going to ask Lisa Harris to come up. I'm shorter than Brenda. I thought you meant time wise. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's 
I wasn't going to write anything down, and then I started thinking about all the things that I needed to think about when I was up here, like stand up straight, keep my shoulders back, trying to suck my stomach in the whole time I'm up here, and I thought I'd, better, I'd be better off if I just wrote things down. Bill asked me if I would speak for a little bit about God's faithfulness, and I was humbled that he asked me, and I, I stand before you all honored to uh, speak on God's faithfulness. Think how, how does one begin to even explain God's faithfulness? I could give you dictionary definitions or quote scripture to you, but I think the best way to explain what God's faithfulness is is to tell you how I've seen God's faithfulness in my own life. Hindsight's 2020, and I can see now how God's hand has always been on me, and his faithfulness has brought me to where I am today. In 1962, God was with a young, unmarried pregnant woman on a cold January day when knowing that she would not be able to give the baby, her baby the life she would want to, she made the courageous and unselfish decision to give her baby girl up for adoption. Her only stipulation was that that baby be raised in a Christian home. God was faithful and was with me, and three weeks later I was adopted by a loving Christian couple. I've seen God's hand on me as I was growing up, went off to college, and ventured out on my own. I saw God's faithfulness as I made my way from the hills of West Virginia to the beaches of Southern California. And I have to say on that 2,000 mile trek, there were no accidents and no speeding tickets. As I drove my little white Honda across, across the country, little did I know the plans that he had for me when I got there. Once in California, I started going to church with the cute boy next door. I must admit, at the time, my motives were not entirely pure. Let's just say that God wasn't the only one that I wanted to get close to. But God is so God, isn't he? Even though my eyes were not on him, his eyes were on me, and his spirit was working on me as I began to ask the cute, boys, the cute boy all kinds of questions about God and about Jesus and that, that whole salvation thing. I would go to church and I would sit in the pew and the preacher would preach and I would start getting uncomfortable as it came time for the altar call and I remember people would get up and they would just flock to the front and they would go into this little room off to the side and I remember asking the cute boy, what exactly do they do back there? That was all very interesting to me and very confusing at the same time. The spirit, even though my eyes weren't on him, his eyes were on me and his spirit was working in, on me while I was asking those questions. God was faithful and ever-present with me as I continued to be drawn closer to him. And one Sunday morning in December 1989, I accepted his invitation and asked the Lord into my heart. It was a church, at a church here in town. We were standing, singing the last song, and uh, they had the invitation, and I asked to be excused out of the aisle because I was going to go to the ladies' room. And, God has a, quite a sense of humor. I think the Holy Spirit was just pushing on my bladder to get me up because I was nervous. And I am not uh, good with directions. I actually am directionally challenged. So instead of turning right and going to the bathroom, I turned left and went up front and accepted the Lord. And it's been quite a ride. We've had quite a ride since then, me and God. He has been the most constant presence in my life. He was with me as I struggled through a miscarriage, rejoiced with me at the birth of my three boys, Andrew, Alex, and Adam, and was with me when I grieved my mother's death. He has blessed me with a lovely family, a loving family, 
a loving church family, and friendships, many of which are deeper than most family relationships. I feel God's presence and faithfulness every single day. He was with me as my marriage fell apart, and I felt his presence as I went through one of the darkest days of my life. As I was laying face down on my living room floor, crying and screaming, this isn't fair, God, life isn't fair, into my Berber carpeting, I felt his presence as if he was laying on the floor next to me, comforting me with his arm around me, telling me to lean on him. What is faithfulness? All I can say is, I know that I know that I know. God has been faithful, is faithful, and will continue to be faithful. I just have to hold on for the ride. Thank you. See, isn't it funny how we forget all the little things? Her story is our story. And we forget all the little ways that God is faithful to us. In verse 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to know, be known as the Pharaoh's daughter, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. This is Moses. Disgrace for the sake of Christ has greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And by faith he kept the Passover and a sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea and on dry land. But when Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them seven days. And by faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with all those who were unbelieving. There's this idea of being with those, being counted as, as one who is not for the sake of the one who is. I'm going to ask our Rick and Brie to come up and speak to us. I've had this old Bible for a long time. It's got duct tape on it now. Um, I write in my Bible a lot. I don't know if any of you do that. Um, I write things that, things that Bill has said next to the passage he's speaking about. Uh, this page we're looking at today, I've got a note from uh, July the 2nd, 1991. I was at a youth camp, a high school youth camp, and it says, uh, my little note that this came from the speaker there, it said, God always blesses those who serve him. And God is faithful in that way, and that's incredible. My story is, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of my story that involves last Sunday afternoon. Um, there were a bunch of us who went uh, window washing, and it was an incredible time. Bill talked a little bit about it. It was just, the pictures just didn't do it good, especially, I'm thinner than that. On The, the camera adds pounds. Uh, really? <laughs> well, when we got there, we, we, uh, we all piled in our cars and headed to Sunflower Street out on the fish area out there, the Sun Streets. And uh, we got out of our cars and I could look around. People were kind of apprehensive, you know, a little bit scared. You know, how do you do this? How do you go wash people's windows? They don't know we're coming. And uh, we got our supplies together out of, out of Matt and Carrie's truck and, and uh, then we, uh, we all started, started off. Well, I had a couple of good leaders in our group. Uh, Mike Dumsdorf and Steve Davis were kind of the salesmen. There were others. Don't, I won't leave anybody out, but they really stood out. And they just started beating on doors and, hey, 
want to wash your windows. And there were people running. The neighborhood cleared out. It was, it was incredible. But this first house we went to, first house on the right as you turn on the sunflower, a little uh, oriental lady answered the door. You remember that? And uh, I wasn't right at the door, but I was close enough I could hear Steve and, and Mike talking to her. And uh, she was like, there was a little bit of a language barrier, I think, going on there. But there was also a this can't be happening type thing in her mind. Uh, I think she used a term like, this, 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 this couldn't happen today. And at first we think maybe she doesn't think we should do it on Sunday. But what she meant was, this kind of thing doesn't happen anymore. Never seen anything like that before. So she, she finally, she, she understood what we wanted to do and that we were, didn't have any ulterior motives. We just wanted to serve her. And uh, she let us wash our windows. So we're going around having a good time walking around the house washing windows. And we get around the back and pretty soon the, her and her mother come out with rolls of paper towel and, and Windex and they want to get out there and help us. And we're having a good time just talking to them. And the, the thing that, that we left with when we left that house was that same thing. Um, we talked to them. We told them that why we were doing it again, what our motives were. We just were there to serve them. We weren't trying to look good. We weren't trying to get anything out of it. God just told us to serve others and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what we were trying to do. Even though we weren't very good at it, we were trying. Um, they both kind of uh, expressed that they'd never seen anything like that. And it was just a neat feeling to have served them without anything, getting anything out of it. Sometimes I think it's easy to do these kinds of things and say, look at me. I'm, I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. But there wasn't any of that going on. It was really neat. We went on down the street, way down. Sunflower's a big street. Why'd you pick that one, Matt? <laughs> it goes way down into Cambridge Meadows. We ended up down there, and one of the last homes we, we got to was a beautiful brick home. It didn't look like it needed anything, except it had a Kansas State flag hanging on the, on the front porch. I thought, they need help. <laughs> but uh, we went up there and knocked on the door, and a nice lady came to the door, and and uh, we told her what we wanted to do. We are just there washing windows, wondering if we could do hers. And she seemed a little apprehensive, you know, like maybe she's thinking like, well, I don't need any help or whatever. I didn't know exactly what was going on. She seemed a little apprehensive. So we told her again what we were doing and explained to her we didn't want anything out of it. We're just there to, to serve. So she said, well, that'd be great. So we started cleaning windows. I was doing a window right beside her porch there when I started. And she was on the porch watching us, talking to us. And I asked her about the flag and... And she said, well, you know, we're from Kansas originally, and we're moving back there next month. And she says, what's so incredible about what's going on here right now is we're listing this house on Tuesday. And we're, we're working in there right now, getting things ready. But her, her husband and her talked that morning. He says, you know, we're just not going to get the windows done. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. It was really cool. Um, she said that uh, what I'm going to do next is I'm going to get a hold of my pastor here and say, why aren't we doing that kind of stuff? And she says, and when we get out to Kansas, I'm going to find a church that's doing this kind of stuff because this is what's right, this is what's good, this is what we should be doing. On the way back to our cars, we walked way down the street. So on the way back, uh, we, we were having a good time walking back and waving at people we'd already talked to. And this one lady came out to the street with, with a couple of bills in her hand, and she was trying to give us money. We'd washed her windows. And we, several of us, she kind of tried to hand it to a few of us, and none of us would take it. We said, no, that's not what we're doing. We, we really just appreciate the opportunity to serve you. And uh, she was like, okay. <laughs> she really wanted to pay us. And uh, what we told her was, we got so much more out of this than, than, than you can ever imagine. 
over in Galatians, uh, Paul talks about what we should do. You know, he talked a lot about the law and how you fulfill the law, how you live the law. And, you know, Paul spent a lot of time talking about that. But he said, uh, he said, if you want, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, if you want to find freedom in Christ, understand that what you need to do is serve one another in Christ. And he says, if you take the whole law and you put it in a big bucket, I'm paraphrasing, and you mix it all up and you pour it out, what you get is love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. Love God, love people. It's that simple. Um, God is faithful. If we'll do those simple things, he's faithful and he's good and he's righteous and he'll give us a blessing beyond anything we can even imagine. Thank you. See, it's in the littlest, littlest things. But you have to have eyes to see past the squeegees and the, 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 you know, the Windex bottles. Yeah, carrying a ladder. You, and you've got to get past that weirdness to see the blessing. Finishing up Hebrews here, it says, and the author of Hebrews goes after this. He says, and what more should I say? You've heard it today. What more should I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who, were, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained the promises, who shut the mouths of lions, who quenched the fury of the flames and escaped, to the, edge of the, by the, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, you see. See, we don't like to work out of our weaknesses, do we? And who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured. Well, that's a testimony right there. Whew, okay. Others were tortured and, re and re refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in half. They were put to death by a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of those. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and in holes in the ground, and they were all commended for their faithfulness. Yet none of them received what had been promised. You see, God had planned something better for us, so that only together, only together, we might be made perfect. We're going to do one last thing today. We're going to ask that you get in the groups, four to eight people in a group, and tell a story. If you don't have a story to tell, just listen to a story. Go, do it. your stories. Listen to stories. If you, by the way, you see, this was a good week to check that box, because if you check that box and you did it, you're done. Some of you guys were like, I ain't checking that box. See, I got you anyway, right? But uh, listen to this, though. The author of Hebrews says, you've heard stories today. You've heard each other's stories today. You've heard the stories of the, of the faith giants in the Old Testament, the First Testament. And he says this, therefore, since we find ourselves surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's what I heard when you're talking to each other, the cloud of witnessing. Since we find ourselves surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us cast off everything that hinders us and all the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race is marked out for us. You see, it's not me and Jesus. It's Jesus and us. You hear that? You will not defeat sin on your own, but you can defeat sin with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. 
surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything, church, the hinders and the sin of and entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. Let us fix our eyes, fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We are on the journey. Who for the, for the joy set out for him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's not lose heart. Let's keep Jesus in front of us. The last thing we're going to do, we're going to do this, is we're going to have a benediction from the text, from the text. Let's pray right quick together. Father God, we give you praise and honor and glory because you are telling such an amazing story. And it's, it's bigger than us. It's this ancient story that we are living today. Pray, Lord, this week that you would put people in our path that would be telling the story and that you would make us quick to listen. Pray, Lord, you put people in our path that need to hear our story and would be quick to speak. Pray, Lord, that this week you'd be glorified and more would be drawn into your kingdom. Right, you always get the glory and honor because you are the perfecter. You're the one who is guiding us. And we love you and praise your holy name. In Jesus' name, we say all prayers. Amen. This is the benediction. Verse, you can write it, 13, verse 20. Listen to this. May the God of peace, the one who, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And might he work, may, and may he work in us that which is pleasing to him through Jesus the Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. That is it. We're dismissed.